Hello everyone and welcome to the final episode of your Wolves Fancast season 2020-2021. It's done, it's over, the season's over, Nuno's reign is over and it ended on a quite fitting, lacklustre attacking effort <laughs> of a 2-1 defeat against Man United's youth team, um, what looked like was their youth team at the end anyway. Um, with me today, I've got Adam Price and Stu Hall. Um, guys, just I think to, to really, you know, sum up the thoughts of the day. I think to begin with, I, I know it was um, you know yourselves didn't didn't actually make to manage to attend the game, but with the news in the week, what what were you feeling going into this one? Um, Ad, I'll start with you. Um, well, no, 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 I didn't. Uh... I didn't go to the game, no, but halfway there, I did go down to the ground before the game. We'll, we'll get more onto that in a sec, I suppose. But feeling-wise, um, I was thinking this today, actually. It's, it, it's, it's strange, isn't it? Because I can't remember the last time where we've almost had an advanced warning that our man- one of our managers is, is leaving. I can't remember the last time it's ever really happened where, you know, it's come out before the end of the season, ex-manager is leaving Wolves end of the season. Unless you guys can correct me, I can't think of a time when that's It, it never happens. Happened. I mean, they normally just sneak off in the middle of the night, don't they? Um, well, this is, this is it. I was saying to my mates earlier, I thought normally when a Wolves manager loses his, his job, it's in, in a season or it's after a game or in between seasons. You don't see him, they just go, they just disappear, don't they? And you never see him again. So this was a bit of a strange one. The fact that we've known albeit like a short time ahead of the end of the season that he's going so we've had we've had a more of a build up to this to this game the fact that right, we, we need to do this send off for him now and rightly so as well absolutely the right thing to do so it was strange because you've got all these other questions around thinking what well, what's just purchase just around this game itself what are we going to see the shackles off completely that are the players going to go gung-ho for this match no, he's answered that question, but um, you know we'll get what what we're going to see. How are the fans going to react? It's, it's strange. It's, it's strange, really. For, for the other yeah, reasons I've said, it's just that it doesn't really happen. Um, but I went down. I took the kids down before to, before the game to sit to see, and there's loads, thousands of people there outside the ground, and it was all good natured stuff, all all chanting to welcome the coaches in. Uh, Flares, banners, everything. Like, it was really, really, really good nature. Nothing you could see when Nuno you know, stepped off the coach. You know, he was. I think he was trying to hold it all together. I think you could, you could tell. I got like a bit of a swift glimpse of him, but you, you saw on the tweets and the things I put up on BT Sport. You know, you could tell that it, uh, you know, pulled on the heartstrings for him. Um, but no, as I say, well, I think it was. You know, is as as much as we've you know this difficult this last 12, 15 months has been. I think overall, he's very much well liked um, manager, so he deserved it. I think he deserved that that good send off. So I uh, just I had a, had a thought actually while he was telling me that that you went down and and you was part of a crowd again for the first time in probably over a year. Any kind of crowd, mm. um, did it feel? that people were just happy to be around each other again as well. Real nice kind of buzz with, you know, forget the Nuno situation, just being able to support their team for the first time in so long. Yeah, do you know what? I That's the first time I've been stood in 
a crowd on mass, like you say, and, and from the usual day when it all lockdown started, and I never once felt that it was weird or strange. And I think people just like click back into the old ways pretty quickly. I, I think anyway, not everyone's going to feel that same way, obviously, but I think you know most majority of people will go back into the same um, ways of doing and thinking as before. Um, everyone was happy to be all bunched up together, you know, trying to get as good as views the coach as, as they could or as, as, as the players coming off. Um, you know, it, it was but like it's what you see when like we uh, when we won the league, you know, people standing on walls, on fences and stuff, all trying to get a good view. Um, it was all really, yeah, all really good nature. I think everyone just wanted to, anyone who could do it, wanted to be there to to to, to see to see before he goes. You know, I think. Obviously, there's quite a lot there already who had the ticket to the game. Uh, people like myself. There was, I know there's a lot of people who hadn't got a ticket to the game who, like me, wanted just to go down and, and just soak in the atmosphere, really, because it was a bit of a shame for Nuno that he's, he's only got a smatter in the fans to see him off. Obviously, better than doing it in an empty crowd, empty stadium completely. So at least there was a, a certain percentage of fans there to, to see, you know, to, to be there for his final game. Um, but no, it was absolutely fine. I, I mean, I think everyone there really enjoyed it. I know my kids loved it. Just seeing there, just seeing all the people there, seeing you know all, all the pyro and stuff that was going off and everything. There's even guys there with megaphones as well, getting the, the chance going. It, nice. was, it was, it was, yeah, it was great. It was really, really, it's had a good feeling about it, which then stopped when the game started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, plenty of kind of uproar around. Um... People attending the game, ticket prices, etc. No, Stu, obviously you you had your reasons for not attending. Myself, I, I mean, I just couldn't justify paying that money for a game that before the Nuno announcement came, you know, I just didn't think was going to be a good game of football. Bottom line, and that was probably purely my, the only reason why I didn't want to attend. Would you like to have been there today, um, Stu, in, in the circumstances and in hindsight? Um, it would have been very hypocritical of me to do so, wouldn't it? Uh, after what I've said for the last year, but I suppose in a way, if I if I had a ticket in the win, I've I've never ever gone for one of these bus party things, not once, not for the cup, not for the bus uh, party. <laughs> well, whatever. It is. That sounds like something totally different to me. Yeah. <laughs> I know, you th- you're thinking a bang bus now. Are you really? Come on, let's, let's be honest. Let's get it out there. You're always not, uh... not a mega bus, just bang bus. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Nuno's bang bus. There's a the title. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's. I've never been one for that kind of thing anyway, so I was never going to do that. But yeah, I would, in a kind of weird way, I would have obviously I would have been there to just because it's it's memories that we'll have forever for them. Them first three years were superb, and they were best that we've ever had. So that, regardless of what happened in the last year, that's never going to change. Them three years are etching your memory for life. So any anyone, even as vocal as I've been. You can't turn around and say, yeah, you'd like to have been there to wish him well and sail off into the sunset with everyone's blessing because he's bought us something we, well, we literally did dream of. Yeah, I, I, I think it's um, it, it, it's nice to, to, to have been there, I think, and I'm, I'm quite envious um, of the people who did manage to have the opportunity to, to wave him off, like we say. I mean, Stu, I'm sure you would have been waving him off with your middle finger up or whatever. <laughs> um, but, you know, 
just to to have missed out on the opportunity. Yeah, quite quite an upsetting thing, I think, to to be totally honest, and um, for everything that he's done for us, and sad to for it all to end in 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 such a season. But kind of moving on to the football, um, when we came out, um, so I know we kind of talked about this on Instagram Live. It felt like Nuno's greatest hits. It was kind of. Uh, you know, reverting back to the old ways of the three-man midfield of Dead Donker, Neves and Matinho getting the band back together a little bit. Um, Cody Bolly and Sace, you know, proper stalwarts of the Nuno reign um, with um, everybody else kind of fit, flit, flitting around it. Um, Adam, what what did you make of that lineup um, going into the game? Well, it could have been any any game, couldn't it, really? That lineup. I mean, it's it, like you say, it's just textbook Nuno, even... From the last 12 months, it's not even a full subs bench, I don't think. With two keepers on the bench again. It's just what we've come to expect, really, in the last last 12 months, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's just like you say, it's, just, it's it's the last game, but nothing's changed, really, with, with the lineup. Um I mean, initially, I, I'm not, I, I half looked at the, the, the thing, the team sheet on Twitter, I thought... For a split second, it, it, it put uh, Jose and Silver up front, which I thought was a bit something a bit interesting. But I quickly saw it wasn't Jose at all. It was like it was a dark. That also turned out to be not very interesting as well. <laughs> that, and that was also not very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, to be honest, I, I, I backed us to win even before like the team sheets were announced because I think we anyone wouldn't anyone who's you know half-conscious in the football world, knows that United have got a much bigger game coming up in a couple of days' time. So even, even I think it was reflected in the bookies' prices, you know, even before the team sheets were announced, the Wolves were like six to five to win, you know. And we were favourites to win the game, actually, because they, they knew that, you know, Man United ladies would be playing tonight or today. Um, so I thought, you know, I thought I was quite confident. I thought, you know, we would... We're, they're there for taking today, United, and especially when I saw, you know, when the team she did come out and they've got a rookie up front. Um, I was quite confident enough to think, yeah, we're, I think we can take the game to these and 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 win. But you know, has it transpired? All to, and again, you're talking about sadly for his final game. Sadly for his final game, he just kind of went the same way as many others have gone this season. Yeah, I, unfortunately, I mean, talking about that subs bench. Um, the, now, I'm not sure what he's doing on there, but Sondergaard clearly has no prospect of actually entering the pitch. <laughs> and it, it, I just thought, well, if you're going to do that, you might as well have put Raul on the bench, like named him, just as a token gesture, and to say he's back without yeah. any prospect of him actually coming on. I said that so, to... Um, I did see... Uh, uh, Fancast biggest number one American fan, Blake. I did see him... Um, Outside the ground, and then we were talking about the subs bench. And I did, we, I was chatting to him quickly about Sondergaard. And I said exactly what you just said, Gully. I said, so, so, He must wonder what's the point. Because <laughs> if, if Patricio, imagine, some, if imagine if Patricio's the, legs just drop off, he's not going to come on, is he? He's going to be, and he's, and he's relying on Ruddy's leg dropping off as well. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just to get a run out, like, absolutely baffles me, to be honest. But you know, um, I mean, the game started and I mean, United kids, to be fair to them, it's United. They they will have some level of talent. You don't you don't get to Manchester United without um some level of talent. And 
I mean, it was, a, it was quite an early lead they took and um, some familiar failings there, Stu. Um, I know, I know you, you've got your opinions on the goal and, and, and some of the, the mistakes that happened in the lead up to it, but talk us through it. Well, it's just anyone who's watched Wolves for the last six months just know, well, if you get anywhere vaguely near the edge of the um, parallel to the 18-yard box, just whip across him and it's more than likely just got to go in somehow. Because it's so it's so shitty. It's just been it well, I said on the on Insta earlier and on Twitter, it's just a microcosm of the whole season in this one game that yeah, it was a good cross, but Bolly was under the ball. I knew he was the wrong side of the um the, the kid as well. Rui had no chance, great header to be fair to it, but it's another one of them. I mean, for once Tim no one can possibly blame Samado for that. Because he was uh, he was wing back and he was further uphill, but it was just so inevitable. It's yeah. like oh, as soon as he went in, it's like, oh, okay. I think initially Cody was the one who played him on as well, wasn't he? Um, yeah. You know, talking about offside lines and stuff again. But I actually, I actually thought we made a relatively decent start to the game um, in terms of having a, applying a little bit of pressure, um, having a few moments of getting the ball in the box and stuff. And then Adama Traore, who had obviously been our main threat up until that point, decided that um, he was injured. Decided, <laughs> I'm probably being a bit harsh there, but, um, you know, kind of went went off with a bit of a whimper. I, I, I mean, I, we, we talked about this again on Instagram. You know, what, what were your feelings at that point, Adam, about that? Because it didn't strike <laughs> us as the most, um, you know, harrowing injury um, you've ever come across. Did it? No, I know. I think I, I can't remember. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think he might have potentially tweaked something with it beforehand, like a couple of minutes earlier. And up until that point, he was having Tellez on toast. Really, was a couple of times. He was getting the better of it. And and I know that he's, he hasn't really played that much this season due to Luke Shaw's form, or you know, or he's played some like Europa League dead rubbers and everything, but. Uh, it was getting the better of him all the time. And I thought anything that's going to happen from us is going to come from Traore. And then when he went off, I just felt def- just really deflated because I thought uh, um, like, that's their one focal point and he's gone. And then when I saw William Jose was coming on to take his place, <laughs> I just really thought... Should I just stop watching now then? Because I actually, I, I, honestly, think, the thought crossed my mind as well. It did. Just think, just step back for a second. Just think of those parallels, right? Adama Traore has come off, right? We all know what he can do: fast, strong, skillful, all of this stuff. And their and their response is to bring William Jose on, who I'm I, I'm gonna have to investigate him because I think he's an imposter. I really think <laughs> the guy that we've signed. I think there's a real <laughs> William Jose that's tied up somewhere. It's saucy, your dad. <laughs> you know, quite literally the opposite of all the words you described to use try to use to describe exactly. Traore. Then he's literally the opposite of all of them. <laughs> like, you couldn't you couldn't think of the most parallel opposite, most polar opposite player to Adama Traore than bringing William Jones. And I just thought, well, that's that's it then, really. I I, I, I can't see a way forward for this. We just started to get the foothold in the game, and Traore's gone. I mean. We're talking earlier, Stu was talking earlier about the goal. It just seems to me, like at the minute, with when anyone's crossing balls into our box, we're very vulnerable. Yet, for all the good work Traore does, we, our crosses and corners for that matter go in 
I've, we've got like zero percent chance of winning any crosses or corners that go into the box. I just <laughs> we had some of it today, Martino. I did like a fair few corners. I, I just I've never had any like confidence at all that we win any single cross or or corner. And that's even with even when like Jose got on the pitch and we still, we still putting corners in and or, or, any, or any crosses come in. Just nothing. It's no threat. No threat at all. I mean, it is it is a time for conspiracy theories and a few went through my head such as Traore come on to be a bit of a crowd place for 20 but the, the gaffer said to him look you can come off after. just just go down and you will we'll take you off don't <laughs> worry because you're being protected for the Euros or you know Traore had a little bit of a tantrum because his um, contract's not being signed yet and uh, he just wanted to have a little run around in front of the crowd for 20 minutes and you know open to debate I guess isn't it he had a bit of a tantrum when someone asked him to put a mask on as well. He looked uh, like he did, actually. Yeah, you're right. But, oh, good, good on you. Join us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> In an yeah, open-air stadium, to be fair. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's hopefully that's the end of all that nonsense anyway and we come back in, even if it's 50%, you, you wouldn't think there'd be masks and stuff. But that's a different story. Um, but, yeah, it's... It looked a bit strange where he just sat on the floor, and like we, we had it before when earlier in the season, then when he was he was he sat on the floor and then Nuno made him play on for a bit. Yeah, <laughs> and it, I it, remember remi- that, yeah. it reminded me of that. And then he, he was he actually injured for a bit after that. I can't remember, but it, it was it was almost like well, I think the has- commentator said he only missed one game this season. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, whatever happened to him that day, it wasn't that bad. Um, so his shoulder, we, shoulders fixed now. Yeah, <laughs> that's why. <laughs> so he's it's perfectly plausible, and you can't really blame him for doing that if that's what he did. But yeah, I think I mean, William Jose is the, the biggest disgrace in 26 years of watching Wolves for me, hands down. And you're talking levels of thing, different things. Is a, is a joke. The biggest it's, disgrace. Yeah, he's up. There. He's up there. He's, he's, he's up, up there. there with for me. He's up there with O'Hara and Roger Johnson for just he's. I mean, obviously their attitudes were questionable, and that's what put them puts them on the naughty step. But William Jose is just wank. But yeah, and he, I'll, and he I'll, wasn't I'll before he wasn't before he came here. Look at his record, and he's come here, took the money, and pissed about for six months. Yeah, as I say, for me, like with the O'Hara and Johnson, that's for attitude. I mean, just on pure footballing ability or lack of. You know, Jose is up, he's up there. I'm sure that we've got. He's up there. He's been one of the worst players that I've seen at Wolves. What can anyone on, can anyone on on this podcast now say anything remotely positive that he's brought to the team since 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 he's arrived? He, he, he protect he protected Fabio Silva for a bit. I think <laughs> that was about it. But I mean, he he just has that demeanour about him that. He looks like he's been dragged out of bed on a Sunday morning to go and play on a park pitch. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to chase balls into channels like on Fowler's Park. He's got that kind of attitude towards the game, as if like, oh, this is all a bit too much for me. It looks like he's. A, it looks like you're struggling for a, a player at, at for like Sunday league or goals or something, and you just need someone in the last minute, and then you might. I know your mate Dave has just decided. Yeah, all right, you know mate, what? I'll, I'll 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 come and help you out for a bit. Don't expect don't expect much though. It's so funny that the opposition we played this morning had ten men to start the game. We kicked off against them with ten men, and some big blokes just turned up 
run on the pitch. And he did more than William Jose. I was marking him. He did more than William Jose today. I'll tell you that for nothing. For Pilot FC. <laughs> All does this finest. Obviously, um, with the Dharma going off, we then went and scored a goal, though. Because um, that was always going to happen, wasn't it? And uh, it, it really felt like, for me personally, Samedo, vindication for some of the shit that he's been receiving this season. And uh, uh, two, he he really channeled his inner Matt Doherty and actually picked up a position that you would expect Doherty to, to get into and, and score the goal. It was really good to see, wasn't it? Yeah, he, fo- he finally he finally became the beautiful butterfly that he's promised all season long. <laughs> and, and, Not a moth. <laughs> no, oh, fuck moths. But yeah, yeah he's, that's William Jose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Moth of the Premier League. <laughs> But um, yeah, he's, I mean, the fact that everyone ran to Fabio Silva as well in that moment, not to Samedo because he's obviously season pro at this point, and, but for his work rate and get, creating that chance out of nothing. And yeah, I think it was just, it was a very, I mean, I, I actually cheered that more than, well, on a par with Switzerland, Switzerland losing Eurovision last night. I mean, it was, it was that close and that, that hasn't happened for a long while. With any Wolves goal, but well, like you got. I mean, I've I've been in the Samado camp for best well since Christmas at least when he, he found his form and he was being vindicated for no reason at all. And Fabio Silva as well. They've both come on together, and you look towards next season like we will later, and them two will push on. You now he's and he was he was probably you know preempted. He's probably my man of the match, Samado. I thought he was excellent. No, I don't think I don't think that's too much to say to be honest. Um... Yeah, I take it. Uh, I take it a step back from that as well. I, I really appreciated Matinho's little flick to set um, Fabio Silva on his way. And you watch yeah. it back. Is Matinho's getting the ball in? He's back to goal, and Fabio's behind him, and he's just flicked it off the outside of the right to set Fabio away. And that was a, a sweet touch. If that is Matinho's last game for us, nice little drop of uh, skill to see him on his way. But um, yeah. With you guys again, because Fabio Silva's just shown great work work rate as well. Um, so delighted for him to get be involved in the move, and then I, I'm just delighted for Samedo as well because, yeah, and some some mediums and fan channels, he's just been getting abuse, yeah, like all all season long. And yes, yes, he he's took some time to adjust. That's natural, to be honest. Just just thinking where he's come from to where he's now, and and you know the set the setting that he was around in, in Barca to where he's now, it's going to take a bit of adjustment. Let's let's be fair to him. But yeah. countless times throughout this season, he's been one of our star players. You can see his improvement. It's it's easy to see. Yeah, I really like him. I really like him, and I do. Who knows what what this summer's got in store now? But I'd, hopefully, you know, he 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 sticks sticks with us. And then we see that improvement going into to next season. I, I, I'm really pleased, to be honest, that he, he produced that kind of performance. And you know, we, the commentators were calling him out specifically as, as a real um, plus point for us. So people on TV uh, who are watching at home would have would have noticed it, I think. And the live fans in the stadium would have hopefully seen because uh, I, I do think he would benefit from live viewing of a performance. People will spot stuff that they wouldn't necessarily see. Otherwise, you know, you're at the mercy of the TV cameras at the end of the day. You're going to notice other things when you're in the stadium. So hopefully people have picked up on that and appreciate him a little bit more. Um, 
That wasn't kind of uh, the action over, um, prior to half time anyway, at least. Quite a controversial um, decision. The main man, Mike Dean, obviously had to play his part on the final day in the final game of the season before he uh, signed off for the summer and uh, decided, well, after a lengthy VAR review to, to, to give a penalty to Man United for Sace's challenge on Donny van der Beek. Um, I mean, the floor's yours, guys. I, I, I don't know what, what, what you made of that. So you take up the reins. Yeah, one. no, no, no. Say, <laughs> say something ridiculous, but... Uh, well, you look at it in two parts. In lo- in from Deanie's eyes, he waved play on. Well, he he made a little shruggy shoulder motion. Well, nothing, and play on. So from that from that point of view, there is the case that it's a clear and obvious error because he hasn't seen it. So then, fine, no problem for him sending him over to have a look at it again because he hasn't seen it. That's what clear and obvious is for. But to then not show him in normal speed and only show him it slowed down where it looks like his leg's going to be broken off. It's shocking. It's it's absolutely shocking. It's not a penalty anyway because he's not. that's not enough to bring him down in the first place. And we've had all this thing with, uh, with Bamford last week so when he didn't go down, um, didn't get a penalty, for being honest. And then, you know, obviously you don't blame anyone for going down if, if they're touched. But there's got to be some kind of common sense. And what the... Whoever the VAR was who didn't show the full thing to Mike Dean, that's where the problem lies. Because he showed him in slow-mo from angles that looked terrible. So what's he going to do? He's going from what he's seen on the screen. Yeah, it's, you don't really want to stick up for Mike Dean because he's a bit of a twat. But in this case, from what he's seen and what he's been told, I don't think he's got a choice. It's the point. It's the problem of the whoever was operating the VAR. Jonas called it out as well, didn't they? In in the, in the on the on the, um, on the comms, and he said everything looks worse in slow motion. Anything's a foul in slow motion, and I knew I, you could tell you could tell straight away as soon as you know they pulled the the, the replays up on on VIR on on, the, on their screens. You could see it's going to be given um, in real time. However, yeah, I was probably like most people where I just thought. I actually thought Van der Beek had just dived, to be honest, and was just and was and feigning an injury because you couldn't tell, or I, I couldn't. To be I fair, Adam, I, think he, he did, I think he did dive. He just felt the contact and then decided that you know, having felt the contact, he was going to go over. Which, to me, in my mind, that's a dive. Yeah, I mean, still the falls contact doesn't make him go over, does it? Yeah. No. And again, when you when you watch that back in slow mo over and over again, you're building up a case in your own mind or you know something the referees or whoever was on VAR he's looking at that um, and it just gets the more you watch it in, in that slow motion you, you're actually making it worse than what it actually is because you're seeing it in the minutiae detail you could argue and some people have argued that Sace is at fault for even giving the ref the option you know because yeah. it was a bit of a <clears throat> it's a bit of a strange challenge wasn't it he went in with his right foot and then brought the left foot all the way around and caught Caught him on the ankle, yeah. So there is there is that angle as well. But again, VAR is being used to hone in on the smallest, you know, minutia point. Yeah. You know, I think. Well, this is argument number two hundred ninety-seven about VAR and the use of it, and it's just it's, it's not going away, isn't it? It's like broken record territory, isn't it? 
Yeah, I, I think there's a there's there's more to it though, in the sense that this is also a kind of spirit of the law versus like letter <laughs> of the law thing, whereby I think you know players fouls should only be given when you've actually been impeded trying to do something that you're trying to achieve. Essentially, you know, Donny van der Beek could have carried on and played on, got to the ball and done whatever he wanted to do. He was only travelling what he was travelling away from goal for a start, you know. Mm-hmm. So to then decide yourself as a referee, mm, I should be given a penalty for that situation. Is that an equitable kind of punishment for the crime? Probably not really, is it? Just well, because it, of the location it is on the pitch. So we've said it all you know season. I mean? We've said it all season long, eh, with it that it's the law, laws of the game are the biggest problem in football, not VAR, nothing else. It's the laws of the game. They're not, they're not fit for purpose. And we've already seen this. I mean, the Welbeck one early at the start of the season, when he was he was slightly tapped, going the wrong way, and he collapsed to the floor. And because there was contact in the box, it was a penalty. Yet that was nowhere near enough to bring him down. So if that was a penalty, then the, this then this one absolutely was. But for, in from the yeah, you are right. From the laws of the game point of view, it was a penalty. From common yeah. fucking sense, obviously it's not. And then to but then to be punished by, and you know by actual like mathematical statistics like an opportunity that is an 80 percent chance of scoring a goal you know you, you basically you know punish your team by saying you're going to goal down for that and that just doesn't feel right for me either if you see what i mean because the punishment should fit the crime yeah the yeah, amount like of penalties that are given away that that aren't situations where you're denying a goal scoring opportunity etc like it's just it doesn't feel right yeah, it's like you say, he's, he's, he's running almost like parallel to the goal. He's not going towards the goal, he's going parallel to it. There's two defenders there, plus the goalkeeper. And now he gets a free shot at goal. Yeah. <laughs> Although that's it all just, their it team. It doesn't fit right. But that's, um, that's the world we're living in at the moment. And people want to people wanna make the game that way. So I guess we've just got to live with it a little bit. Again, daft from Sace, he didn't need to dive in there. Yeah. Um, and that, but that, that's probably his uh, his last contribution in a wolf shirt as well. Yeah, and and yeah, I guess we'll probably get onto to that kind of subject in, in a little while. But we we kind of felt like it kind of meandered through the rest of the game. We had plenty of territory uh, and pressure. Um, you know, it still had the best chance of the second half. I think when Dan James went through and <laughs> God knows what the hell he was trying to achieve with that one on one. Um, but I think, I think we know what he was trying to do. He just he hasn't got the capabilities. He hasn't got the skills, big man. To be so fair, I'm not for you to explain it to me because I, I don't think I knew what he was trying to achieve. <laughs> I think uh, well, most things in football described in the, the, a FIFA term. I think he was trying the old R1 chip over the keeper sort Little of thing. Dink, but was it? Yeah, but you know he hasn't got the facilities to do it, has he? That's oh <laughs> the looks of it. He ain't got the facilities. He really hasn't. Jesus Christ. <laughs> he managed to freaking whip a left-footed cross onto someone's head, though, in the first half somehow. I wasn't expecting that. Um, in terms of bright spots, though, for the second half, I think Morgan Gibbs-White was a real, you know, plus point for me because he came on and he actually changed the game a little bit. I, I don't think today the midfield was our problem in any way. Um even Neves and Matinho got on the ball plenty, moved it all around quite nicely. It all just kind of came to a a bit of a, a stopping point when it got into the, around the penalty area. But 
again, he's shown himself in the last couple of games and uh, looks to be coming of age a little bit. Yeah. I um, played in his actual position. Look what happens. Shock horror. He's, when we, we've, the vast majority of the uh, of Wolves fans have slagged him off for the last four years. And in some cases, rightly so, but how many times has he played in his right position? And when he has done, how many times has he let anyone down? That's for me. That's the the thing there. I mean, I, I was with everyone else that I thought, well, if Swansea come up, then let's just sell him for twenty million and get a bit of money in. But looking how he's actually adapted in the last month or so, playing it as a ten, well, just behind the, the front two or front one, and I thought he's got he's got a lot of promise now. I thought he's he's grown up a lot on the pitch. A lot of the silly things that he was doing before, like trying Rabonas and stuff like that for no reason. He's kind of there ain't been so many of them in this little appearance that he's made in these last few games. So there's definitely something there, and he's definitely one that you're going to look towards next season, regardless of who comes in. He's going to be in and around the first team squad, if not the starting eleven. For me, next season, because he's. I mean, why not? We've we've stagnated that much that you wouldn't think Martinez is going to be here. But yeah, him and Neves today with his little um, a bit of spark back as well. I thought, yeah, the um, from that point of view, the future looks slightly brighter. I think that um, if whoever comes in, if they're not going to play, keeps. I mean, I'll put my hand up. When when he went on loan to Swansea, I thought. It, we're never going to see him in the Wolves shirt again. I think that's in writing somewhere in one of our chat groups if you want to go back 12 months, which I wouldn't advise. That's like tens of thousands of messages in our, in our, in our chat group. But I, I didn't think he'd be back. I didn't think he'd be playing with us again. I thought that was it. I thought his last chance had gone. But I think whoever comes in in the summer, manager-wise, if they don't play him as a number 10, did you get rid of him for Morgan Gibbs-White's own career sake? There's no point. We've got enough evidence now to show that sticking him on the wing or either side of whoever's up front for us, it doesn't doesn't do us or him any favours. So what's the point? Getting him as a number 10. I've been impressed by how, how he's been the last few games for us. You know, he's been quite a driving force for us. He's actually got a bit of spark about him as well. He's brought a bit of spark of excitement to the team. So... I'm not, not necessarily, I'm not necessarily saying he has to start as our like, number 10 next season, but if he's competing with some, a new name for that position, then fine, brilliant. But as long as he's in that position now, because it's plain for everyone to see that that's where he excels and that's only going to benefit us. That's only going to benefit him personally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. Second half just kind of petered out. It wasn't very... <laughs> Wasn't very interesting, but I mean, Neves, I think, was on well, he's been well below his, his, his standards that we know he can be this season. I think that again, that's clear. But he was putting some very clever through balls through today, you know, putting some, some good balls in just you know, <laughs> up front. Yeah, he's, he's playing into two guys who aren't on the same wavelength of him, clearly. You know, Fabio's still learning, Jose's a fake, so it's just you know, he's, he's never gonna work, he's never. He's putting through quality balls, like intelligent balls. I mean, there was, you know, we probably saw them at the time. And you just think, you know, if we had someone with decent quality up front, proven quality, then they'd be getting on the end of them. But 
as it was. <laughs> they were just a bit lost on the rest on on on, on their strikers. But yeah, I'm mean, struggling to see what else there was to say about the second half. Really, I mean, yeah. I just like you say, I think Dan James had that one effort. I think was it Brandon Williams? He had an attempt on goal. Patricio saved with his throat or something. Yeah, that <laughs> it was that just was in the first half. I was in the first half. Well, yeah, there you the go. Half, I've got yeah. even less, even less recollection of the second half then. So, yeah. Bolly, uh, yeah. Bolly having a shot from distance. That was it at the very end. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that even, about brought, it, which... that even brought a smile from Nino, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I think, um, just going back to Gibbs White quickly, the, the time in between Troyer going off and him coming on was really kind of just us going through the motions. And when he came on, I, I personally felt that little bit of excitement that when someone got on the ball, something might happen. You know, he just gave us that little bit of extra something that, you know, unknown quantity, going to do something different. Um, and yeah, like I say, it's just, he almost doesn't want the season to end because he's coming to a bit of form um, himself, which which is good to see. Um, I, I do also want to call out uh, Fabio Silva again, just because I think today, without him really getting on the end of too many chances... He managed, I think he fought with the centre-halves a little bit better today. Um, he managed to hold on to the ball a little bit better. He was never going to outpace them. But, you know, he, he, I think he, 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 he linked things up quite nicely um, and, and showed himself to have added that extra little string to his bow. Yeah. He's, um, I mean, you, you compare him now to his first game and it's, <laughs> it's, you wouldn't believe in the space of what, seven, eight months, it's the same player. Yeah, I mean, we're saying that he's he should be loaned loaned out to League Two to bulk up a bit. I mean, that's what he's mm. going to do in the summer. Obviously, he's he's already got his, his uh, sleeve tat that Luke asked for. Um, but yeah, he's come on leaps and bounds, and it just makes William Jose more of an embarrassment. Really, just seeing him next him next to him. I mean. Uh, that's the first time I've heard anyone call him out as well in the commentary. They're saying what's he actually brought to the team with, when he's been on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally and true, totally true. Says everything you need to know about him, really. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd love to kind of end the, the conversation around today on a positive note, but unfortunately there were a couple of incidents which um, tarnished the club's name, really. Um, the one being at the start of the game where... The taking of the knee was was booed by sections of the crowd, um, and also Rio Ferdinand uh, suggesting that he was racially abused by a spectator who was subsequently uh, taken away by police and, and, and arrested and now in custody. Um, for me, I, I mean, there was an anxiety probably around fans going back into the stadium and how they would react. Um, it happened initially, I think, when the first easing of restrictions allowed fans into the ground. Um, first time, obviously, this has happened at Molyneux. Um, but I, I don't know how it, how it made you feel, guys, because when you think about the, the day, the occasion, the fact that Nuno is, you know, a BAME manager, you know, it left a very, very bitter taste in the mouth. I'd, I'd never even considered it. I never even thought about it, to be honest, that it was even going to be a problem. And so when it when it happened, I thought, oh no. Um, but again, it's it's been going on so long. There's so many reasons that people, certain sections of people, want to do it. Obviously, the racists hiding in plain sight. If people don't want to be told what to do, fine. But to boo it, 
you know what you're going to, if you're booing that, you know what you're doing and you know you're going to cause some chaos. So just keep your mouth shut. It's like, oh, is it, it's what, 20 seconds max? Just keep your mouth shut. Sit down if you really want to do something different or stand up or do the opposite of what you're doing at the minute. But to boo it, you're just associating yourself with the rest of the races too, who actually are booing it for that reason. And in the Premier League, we've got to take some heat with this as well because it's nonsense now. It, it, like Luke said, and, and you said the Gully as well, it, it doesn't do anything. It's, it's achieved nothing. It's, it was a token statement to start with, which was nice and fair, and it needed, it needed to be said after what happened. But to carry it on for the entire season, and now it's just, it's as, it's as much a thing of, oh, let's check the nets for holes. That's what it's like now. It's just a routine. And I can see people being pissed off with it. I can. But at the same time, you don't have to go booing things, do you? And you know what you... Like I said, if you are going to boo things, as simple as that, and that they have changed the messaging from, yeah, it's not affiliated with politics, it's for equality for all and acceptance, whatever. But it's too late. You can't change a message that started as one thing and say, oh, no, it's something else, because people will never change. And that's that's one of the big problems with it. It was always going to happen at certain places. I'm amazed it's here, to be honest. I didn't think it happened at Wolves um, for obvious reasons. But it has, and I think now, because a few people have done it, when we come back, if it's still going on, it'll happen again, because it's, it'll be the, the next cool thing to do. I, um, To be fair, Stu's probably said everything that, that I say as well. I'm fully, fully, fully in agreement with it. I, um, When the game kicked off, well, you know, before the game kicked off, and they did something that take me, I was a bit because we saw it on telly a few times from the usual places, the likes of you know your mill walls and all that stuff that the the boo it, and you kind of think, well, that's to be expected, isn't it? You know, if they're doing it, yeah. There's there's certain things you expect from that that part of the world, and that you know booing booing the knee is, is one of them. But then when we, it's always a bit, it always like hits a bit harder when it's your own lot doing it, isn't it? You know, when your own your own fans do it. And I was like Sam Stu, I, I wasn't expecting anything at all about it. And then you see you see your own fans doing it, you go, mm, okay, that's that's not a good look for us, you know. And I agree with Stu as well that you know I think the the message itself was fine. I do I don't think it should have gone on all season now because it's not achieved anything. If anything it's getting worse since the initiative has been brought in maybe because people are just trying to openly rebel against the message now. And if they don't agree with it, as we've, as Stu's already said, you don't have to boo. If you boo, then you're shining a light on yourself, essentially, aren't you? You're showing yourself up. And it's not a good look either <laughs> if you do boo. You don't have to say anything at all. If you don't agree with it, that's fine. Just don't say anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, I something new would ha- have to come in there because clearly it's taking the knee, you know, as Stu said, it's, 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 it's a tick box, tick, it's a tick box routine now, you know, as much as like handing the team sheets in, as much as checking your boots, the studs on your boots, everything, it's just something that it just has to be done rather than <laughs> something that is, something that's been passionately done to bring about some sort of change. It's not, it's not achieving what it's, what, what ideally it was set out to achieve at the start. Um, you know, so I think something a fresh a fresh idea or something needs to come in for the for the for next season. Um, and then on the Rio Ferdinand stuff, 
I did see, I think there was a tweet that come out just, just before he tweeted to say that it had happened. I think there was a tweet just beforehand saying that he was, he was having some interaction with the fans over the, the, the penalty incident because I said, well, the fans were saying to Rio that it was a dive and Rio just shrugged his shoulders at him. And then I'm guessing from that, someone, someone has, has, has took, you know, took inference of that, took it the wrong way. And this took, you know, <laughs> I, I, I just don't understand the fact that some guy in that stadium today, he hasn't been able to set foot. And I'm assuming it's a guy, obviously, I just, you know, could be, could not be, but it's some, some person has spent 15 months without being able to step foot in the stadium. And the first chance they do, they're making monkey gestures at, at a pundit on the side where you, you, it's not wise to do that in a full house, you know, a full crowd in the stadium. When there's like potentially 10 seats between you and like the next person to you, you're going to, you are in plain sight and you're doing like monkey gestures where you, 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 you are going to get caught just like that by doing it. I don't understand the mentality of some people. I mean, I don't understand why. And I think he was a very measured um, online response from, from Rio to say, I think he offered, didn't he, to say, before you kick him out, let me speak to them. You know, you can't fight, you can't fight racism just by slamming them and then punishing not, them, yeah. yeah, by punishing with no explanation. And it's more about education. And this is nothing new, obviously, but, it's about sitting down and saying, okay, well, why, why have you done that? What's made, what's, what's, what cogs have turned in your head to think that that's an acceptable thing to do to a black person? Yeah. And what are you trying to gain by, and what are you trying to gain by doing it? How do you think that makes people like, I'm speaking, I'm speaking as a real friend now, what would, how would that make people like me feel doing that or people of my race to do that? You know, what, you know, it's, it's just, really, <laughs> just need some people sitting down and just working it through back with them to the root cause. Why, why, why do you think this was a clever thing to do? Yeah. And I mean, we all know, um, I'm speaking for myself. There's no shortage of ethnic minorities that go to Molyneux, uh, you know, week in, week out over the years. We have one of the most multicultural fan bases in the country. Um, and personally speaking, like I say, I don't think I've ever come across anything as part of a Wolves fan base, which has been racial or any kind of abuse to, to that extent. So uh, really disappointed to see. And hopefully the matter is resolved sooner rather than later. Um, well, the he, um, the club tweeted out that he's banned for life. So fuck you, man. Well done. Fair play. And it's the fact that the f- makes it even, well, make it even more shocking, but it's more ridiculous. The fact that it's, well, probably said it's someone, it's a season ticket holder. This is it ain't some, some pub scallywag who's blagged a ticket off a mate. You have to go through the whole rigmarole of ID, ID checks. Yeah, yeah. So well, it's just baffling, completely baffling. You couldn't even get pissed in the there was no beer, was there in the ground or anything like that? So there wasn't you can't even use that as an excuse. His life's over. This will come out. I mean, he probably you know, now I mean, he might have a band of weird friends who are into this kind of thing, but. This will come out. We'll all, everyone will know his name. He'll lose his job as well. Tough. I'll, I'll try and end this back on a positive note. And um, like I say, some of the scenes at the end with Nuno um, walking off the pitch, kind of a bit of a guard of honour from the players and stuff. Clearly a massive amount of appreciation for the job that he's done. I know we are all very appreciative of his work. And... You know, 
genuinely emotional, I think, from all parts to to, to see him um, departing Molyneux. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, again, I went back, goes back to what I said at the start in that it's this rare position where we know someone's, when someone's going and he's a, he's a very, obviously vast majority of us, you know, a well, a well-liked manager and, yeah, I mean, I think you could see he gave the one last fist bump to the South Bank. Um, got a guard of honour, which, I mean, I know in, in articles have come out since we know he's been going, there's been some insinuations that, you know, the players weren't shocked that he was leaving. And there was not, not openly questioning his tactics, but thinking this isn't going, you know, are you sure he's making the right decisions? But even that, even if that is true, you could see the players and that guard of honour you can see that the admiration in his eyes for the job and the, and the journey that he's took these players on, especially like Cody's a captain, obviously was, was at the end. Um, but you, you know, you look at the other players that he's brought on the journey with him, you know, in Neves is, Bolly, all the people that you signed in the championship and that, you know, he's, have invested into his project. They believed him from minute one, you know, that they, they can progress with with Nuno as a player and progress the club. Um, you can see that, you know, that, that it's not worked out this season, of course it hasn't, but there's still, you can see the sadness in the, in the players, the players' eyes for Nuno and also the backroom staff. It's, you know, it, it's, they're all, that, that, that backroom staff with Nuno was a family that have bought the players through to where to where they are now. Um, so yeah, it was. I thought it was quite poignant that when the cameras caught him walking back down the tunnel on his own, back towards back towards the dressing room. I thought that was a bit of a, a quite a poignant image, really. Um, but yeah, I mean, is 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 emotional to be honest. But I mean, also, and I don't want to be a bit cutthroat here as well, but. We know all three of us, and, and all anyone listening knows how the football world works. You know, the new guy, if the new guy comes in in the summer and he gets a, a, off to a flyer, we'll be singing his name straight away. <coughs> That's how football works. I mean, be under no illusion, then whoever comes in has got massive shoes to fill because, like I said, Nuno was almost universally loved, so he's got. A tall order, whoever comes in. But we're always going to hold Nuno in high reverence now for what for what he's done. Um, yes, it's a new guy needs that new bounce straight away. But yeah, I bet you know we won't we won't forget him. We'll, we'll probably still sing about him first time game of, of next season. But um, yeah, we have to move on, don't we? Yeah, still, I think I think sometimes you know, and well, this is the first time that I've probably come across this, but in terms of a football manager having in that impact probably beyond the football pitch, which he, he's clearly had at Wolves. You know, you've only got to go walking around Wolverhampton City Centre to see some of the murals of him and, you know, his face plastered all over the shop. And it's amazing to think that he's moving on and someone's got to come in and take that spot as well. Yeah. Given the, the, the legacy that he's got within the city. Yeah, I don't... I mean, it's you could almost see it like it'd be like a David Moyes situation 
where it's impossible to follow and it's the one after that that'll be the one to take it on. I mean, obviously, hope not, but the pressure might be that if it's not someone who can handle that kind of stress, then it wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility for that kind of thing to make an effect because if, if he's... I mean, they think that them paintings are not going to go anywhere. They're still going to be around and there's still going to be this... I mean, nah, the, the cult- new gaffer's going to walk in and start running around town centre and ripping him off. But bang- <laughs> employ Banksy and get his, get his own things done. But yeah, I mean, and you've got the cult of people who will never move on regardless. And it's like we've we've done something personal to them. But yeah, it's it's all it's almost like this is it's almost like one of them things where you see where it's just where it's a marriage that's ended completely fine. People have just fell out of love with each other, but they they, they get on perfectly fine at weddings and, and family events for the kids' sake. And everything's all fine. It's like it's it seems like that kind of thing. It's it's really weird. I've, I can't think of another example of this for a manager. Obviously, like Roy Hodgson being old and things like that, and a guard of honor at Palace. But for a manager like this, this for this age that it was his mid forties now, forty-seven. Uh, I think. Yeah. So for, for a guy that relatively young in managerial sense to have this much of an impact in the club and the city and the wider, the wider conurbation, I suppose you could say, because I mean, this, the thing that he's 250 grand of his own money to a food bank, ridiculous. No one else would do that. Right. That, that, that kind of thing's going to, and I know people were talking about statues and naming a road after him. Naming a road after him or naming a, something like a, a shelter after him wouldn't be out of the realms of possibility because he's, he has made a massive difference to a lot of people. And you can see that with all the with the backlash of people again, like people like I have been criticizing this year. You get the opposite saying, How can you possibly even talk, even think about criticizing the man? It's, it's almost like a it's like godly status yeah. that he's got. And that's how it ended today. Even it got me, it even got me because obviously I it was just the end of the line. It just was. There was no yeah. coming back from it. it. Everyone needs a fresh start. Regardless of if it was the pandemic's fault or what injuries fault, whatever, it just gone stale. Everyone needed a new adventure, but he's like a deity. He's never going to go away. And you'd, you'd would like to think that if he does come back with another club, well, he will get a stand innovation regardless. But mm. he does seem to be the kind of person who, even if he hasn't got a club, he'd just come and watch, just for the sake of it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. He'll always have a place, you know, at Molyneux and 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 the wider city of Wolverhampton. I think, personally speaking, I, I I don't recall, you know, like a manager. But well, like you mentioned earlier in the pod, he's 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 earned the right to be seen off in this way. And and actually, we've got forewarning that he's on his way out, and he's had that opportunity for that amazing day today that he's. I'm sure I'm sure he's had. And you know, leaving with with his legacy untarnished, which uh, which is incredible. And and personally speaking, I I've never been embarrassed to be a Wolves fan, but he really kind of made you beat your chest and say, "Yo, I'm a Wolves fan. We're on our way back." You you know, you you sung those songs with your absolutely the real feeling behind the words. I think when you're in the stadium, it was absolutely amazing to actually feel that way. Um, so I think on behalf of all of us and from the fan cast, I'd like to say thank you, Nina. And um, we'll leave it there for the first part, guys. But 
we'll come back for a kind of bumper Twitter corner edition um, for the second half. Hi everyone, Matt from Wolves Fancast here. If you're anything like me, time is of the essence these days. How am I meant to take training with my wonder kids on the managerial football simulation game that I'm not allowed to mention for legal reasons if I'm too busy worrying about my online media presence? Well, that's where our friends at PixelYetiMedia.com come in. They're not just web designers. They're a creative agency that cover all of your design needs from websites, brochures and signage to marketing, logo design and branding. So go check them out at PixelYetiMedia.com They'll get you set up quicker than a Dharma Traore running at a terrified left back. Speaking of which, who's got my baby oil? Welcome back, guys. Uh, we're recording immediately after the Wolves Man United fixture. Um, the second half now just going to have a look at some of our twitter corner questions a lot a lot um to go through we have obviously done a bit of a debrief since finding out that nuno is um going to be leaving the club this summer but um a lot of your questions do also center around that subject here so i'm going to fire some at you guys um we've had one from bridget ledson um players who what risks of leaving I know we talked about this on Instagram, Stu, about you know, obviously this was Nuno's last game, but some of the guys that featured today, could it be their last game in a wool shirt as well? Um, and you've already mentioned a couple of names who you'd expect to be on their way out. Yeah, Sace. I think Sace's time's done. Depending on how things go in the Euros, you'd ex- you'd probably think that Dendonka would be gone as well. The the issue is what's the situation with Aitnuri now? Will he sign not the manager situation? Not knowing who's coming in, will they want him? When we've got no left back really, other than Mister Glass, him himself one year left, Matinho one year left. Um, there's a lot of obviously all the deadwood, but you look at that the spine of the squad could be completely gone. And obviously, Jimenez you imagine would stay anyway because of what everything means to him and he's still not ready. We've probably got away with one with Neto being injured till October. But I think everyone else, it wouldn't surprise me if everyone else was up for sale or open for inquiries because it's a brave new world and who knows. Yeah, Adam, I kind of flipped that on its head. We've had a, a similar question from Danny Nesbitt, but which four players do you keep as the backbone of building on what we've already got? So if you had to name just four... Uh, Probably easier than naming who all the people you wouldn't mind going. But well, <laughs> I said on our I said on our live special with with Dan and Luke and George that it, it, you can make a case now for anyone to go in the squad. But but probably uh, Neto and, and Jimenez, as as has been said, because um, yeah, all the I mean, obviously Bettinia will the new guy want him? Hey, Nori will the new guy want him? Obviously, we're sending Jose back. We're sending him back special delivery to make sure he gets there. To make sure he gets there pretty damn quick back to Sociedad. Um, but yeah, I mean, everyone else, you could kind of make a case, you know, as, as Stu said, you know, Matinho final year. Does he does he himself want to stay? Does he feel that there's, you know, I've I've had a good good three years, well, good two years here. The last one, not so much. 
Neves, I could probably see staying because, you know, he's been groomed to be the captain if Cody was to move on. You know, anyone else? Fabio Silva probably stay, I would, I would say, because, you know, he's obviously been bought as a long-term investment. All the others, probably, it's up there for... It's up there. It's fair game, really. I mean, when it comes to, to answer, answer the question about backbone to the team, I'd like to see. Obviously, I'd like to see Patricio stay. That 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 goes without saying. I think we'd like, like to see him commit to longer. Um, <laughs> controversial. I'd like the spine. I'd have uh, King Kilman in the spine, obviously, obviously, because <laughs> he's the king. You're just trolling and then, now, Adam. And then and then Neves and Jimenez would be your spine. Of the team, that's the four that like you'd have up, up the, you know, you build around. Um, everyone else, I just say it's safe. I think he's probably overdue. I've, I've stuck up for him before in the past, but it's become evident in the second half of the season that you know we do need to improve. But again, we talk, as you mentioned there about Deadwood, and normally you associate Deadwood with like an overbloated squad of players you need to cut loose. Well, it's Ironically, we talk about Deadwood and like our squad size is about 17, yeah. <laughs> something like that. You think, okay, how much can we afford to cut loose? Because then if you do, you, you just like increase how many more you need to buy in. But I guess, I you know, I you, did, you're, you're factoring kind of, the ones that aren't here, aren't you? I was going to say, I did kind of mean like the um, the loan army as well. As the yeah, you're factoring just, the ones that aren't here, don't you? Yeah. like your, your Catronis and all, all, the, all the others, Bruno Giordano's and... I found out on Football Manager that there's definitely some money to be made out of them. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, the interesting one, obviously, is, is Traore because, uh, you know, if you, if you look at a pure data stats point of view, he's, he's, his output's not been great, but you look beyond that and you know that he's still one of our best attack, attacking outlets. The contract stuff is going on in the background. You know, he wants, he thinks he's worth more than what we're offering, but does that mean that Fosa now cash in? If so, what, what's he worth? Who, who wants him? Um, it's just interesting. As, do you know what? As most summers are, I, I, I do quite... As much as I'm sad that football season ends, it, this, this new excitement begins where this, the, you know, the, the, the rumours begin and the transfer window begins. I'm sure that's where a lot of football manager players come alive as well when the transfer window starts. But... Um, there's so many questions. There's so many questions now to be to be asked, you know. Because, um, I said, Ruddy, Ruddy's good. Ruddy will be off as well, and as as you said, left back will be a really key issue because it's just injuries galore in that in that department. So we need to we need to promote Sondergaard to goalkeeper number two for the bench and replace him with goalkeeper number three for the bench. Um, Is that <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I've, I've spoken to a few people and that comfort blanket of Nuno, now it's gone. They are very nervous about the summer, I think. And it's almost widened the margin for error, but also widened the margin of opportunity. You know what I mean? It, you know, it could literally, anything could happen there. And it's been a very long time since we've been in that position um, as a club. So we've probably got a kind of, acclimatise ourselves to feeling a little bit um, perhaps uncomfortable with who's going to come in, what we know about them. Lest we forget, you know, Nuno was a bit of a gamble at the time as well. Um, 
you know, he, he wasn't exactly um, an absolute household name and he managing the Champions League and whatnot. But it's um, it's an exciting time, I think, still to, to be a Wolves fan. And um, I think, you know, there was a, a quote from Tim Spears earlier on today, which spoke about how they had their shortlist, uh, Fosun, that they were working with, but some people have thrown their hat in the ring that are worthy of some serious consideration. Um, because we are an attractive proposition in terms of a job in, in world football at the moment, clearly. You know, people want to come to the Premier League for a start. But, you know, if you're not going to get a top, top rung job in the top six, then your next best bet at this point in time is probably Wolves. Because there aren't any, you know, you're not going to get to Palace ahead of us, really, are you? Or uh, a club like that, especially with, um, I mean, they have literally about three players on their books, I think. <laughs> Um, yeah, definitely, definitely um, an opportunity for someone to come in and really, again, make it their own. Um, another question here, Stuart Jones, my six-year-old son wants to know, how do you all think the season would have gone if Raul would have been fit? If you read this out, it will make his day. Cheers. So, Stu, hope we've made your lad's day there. Um, but yeah, I mean, the hypotheticals around this have been swirling all season, I guess, but I'd probably say he might have been good for a good six to nine points, maybe. Yeah, but I don't think we would have been a brilliant team necessarily with him in it because we weren't playing that well while he was in the team to begin with. But just to give us a couple of goals to win matches. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's nice being uh, having a child named after me, so cheers for that. Um, <laughs> Is the, 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 the dad's named after you still, I think? At this point, I mean, look at the state of me. Yeah. It, <laughs> We weren't playing well before Rail got injured, were we? Let's be honest. No. So I think if you looked at it, if you went to all superstats on it with points per game and stuff like that, I think you probably are looking about 10, 10 points more maximum. It, you, it wouldn't have been a European place, uh, but it probably would have been top half. But that, I mean, which I said at the start of the season, I'd been, I expected 10th. So that would have been kind of in line with that. But with much worse football than we'd experienced before. I mean, um, if we got Raul, we probably wouldn't have ended up on 36 goals out of 38 games no. <laughs> scored. We probably would have got a few more. So, we, we, just, so just, if, just to remind people, which led us to falling behind Newcastle in the table <laughs> on goals scored. I mean, that is... It's that, worth saying over and over again, isn't it? <laughs> that's, that's a sting in the tail from today. When you, you've just... We've all got emotional seeing Nuno off. Seeing, oh, I'm so sorry to see you go. Then you look at the table and go, fuck, we're, like, we're below Newcastle now. <laughs> what's that? What's, how's this happened? But, um, yeah, I don't... Steve Bruce in. He's <laughs> uh, agents on the phone as we speak. He's over, he's over due a job at Wolves, isn't he? Let's be fair. <laughs> yeah. He was handed out last time, so before he even started. Yeah, I know. I, I agree with you. I mean, um, I think even with him up front this season, um, the problems go far deeper than that anyway. Um, it would have been better to have had in the knot, that goes without saying, but. Um, to say that it would have made any like massive material changes to the season, I would probably be exaggerating it a little bit. Um, but we probably would have been a bit closer to Villa and we definitely would have been above Newcastle if we'd have got roll. Yeah, it's a couple more, guys. We'll, um, we'll wrap it up in a bit. But King Wolf 84, um, did Jeff Shee Foson misjudge the mood of fans with regards to support for Nuno? 
And if so, have they made it more of a challenge for themselves in terms of recruitment <coughs> and for whoever comes in on gaining the support of the fans? I think we've kind of touched on it with the legacy that he's left and, and um, you know, yeah, he has he has an imprint on the city, really. But do you think misjudged the mood of the fans? What do you make of that? Is this going on because there were people singing Nuno Santo, we want you to stay, it's on the ground, but there was probably about 300 of them. Um, it's hard to actually really know because we only live on Twitter and we don't, we haven't, because we haven't seen any normal people for a long time. Well, this is the thing I think you mentioned on Instagram again, Stu. We save all the best content for that, don't we, clearly? Um, you you don't know how. If if this season had gone, play, been played out in front of a stadium full of fans, they'd have for sure known how we felt then, you yeah. know, based on the reaction during the game. And there were moments today when there was a bit of aggro from the crowd about the reactions of the way certain players were, you know, not necessarily pulling their weight a little bit. Um, not going to mention any names again because we've done it for the first half of the podcast. But um, that that moment in a football match where half-time and full-time, the vitriol or the praise comes hasn't been there and, and wouldn't you know have survived that if 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 it was coming every single week? Well if if Spears is to be believed and he they were thinking of sacking him after the Albion game, there were so many people even the uh even the cult were questioning him after that. So I think if there had been fans in he would have been gone by he would have been gone definitely by then, if not beforehand. I think just because there's so much outpouring of love for him, which is obvious and natural and right doesn't mean that people are pissed off and sad and annoyed about how the season's gone. And we're questioning things. But so I mean, I, there's people who I've been, I mentioned earlier, but the, um, my friends on the Atherton who pretty much went for me and blaming me for it all because I was the only one st- talking out on things and putting stuff on Facebook like I'm a big influence on people. But it's... We'll never know, will we, until we go back. But when does listening to the fans make any bit what, business sense? I mean, if they listen to the fans, Paul Lambert would still be here. <laughs> yeah, true. But if they listen to the fans, I mean, you remember when Zenga went, people were all over his Twitter and Instagram begging him to come back. Like, like <laughs> the weekend after he got sacked. So, I mean, you don't listen, you don't listen to them hey, right, cases. We got, we got a DM off Zenga after he left Wolves. We were in Dubai, you know, I think he lived out of Dubai, basically, didn't he, at the time? And um, you say we to see if he was around, me and my wife. When you say you and your wife. I wanted to meet Zenga, all right. <laughs> I wanted to make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, think, I don't think they've misjudged the mood as such. I think they know what they're doing. I think they're a bit calculated in their approach. I just, I just hope that the new guy gets a chance from the cult. To use to use Stu's term, I think you know. I'd hate to think the new guy comes in and all, all the cults just stand there with folded arms, saying, <laughs> "I'm not, I'm not cheering you because you're not Nuno." You know, I think which I want... there will be people like that, though. There absolutely, hundred percent will be. Absolutely, yeah. Like I say, unless he gets a flying start when he comes in, you'll have people. I guarantee you. But if he doesn't win the first game, someone will probably say, "Should have kept Nuno." It'll, it will be like my analogy earlier. There'll be people saying, well, you're not my real dad. Why should I listen to you? That's what it'll be like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's brilliant. That's a really good one. But yeah, no, you're right. It, it, it's, 
be careful what you wish for is is the whole is the phrase of the day, isn't it? Oh, um, I hate that phrase. But we shouldn't we shouldn't we shouldn't want better, should we? We shouldn't, you know. <laughs> but this is the thing I've I've said to people. I didn't necessarily want him sacked, but I wanted him to be freaking better than we have been. And that and that is the bottom line. And if he's not ready to provide that for us and he's had enough and stuff, like we say, it's a mutual agreement that that they've made. And if he saw it at the end of the line, it's fine. You know, it's like, it's you know, fine. Say, so, I hate Nobody's, that phrase. No, no, no. Go on. Go on. I was going to say, I, was, I hate that phrase, careful what you wish for. I just really hate it. And I, 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 I've learned a, very, a good counter phrase. It's like there's a tremendous amount of risk in playing it safe. Yeah. There used to be, um, remember when, when Nike took over the uh, Premier League ball um, thing with the uh, that cage advert? And the slogan on the the um, the ball was "Without risk, there is no genius." That's absolutely. Gonna, that's stuck. absolutely. And you know, pe- people have probably claimed Nuno as a bit of a genius, you know, in his time here because at points he managed to turn Connor Cody into into an international centre back, you know, things like that. And you've got to give him credit for that. But if that's the limit of his genius, then you know we've we've got to go beyond that right now. So. Yeah, let's uh, let's see let's see what see how the land lies and um, we'll see what we make of this because it's an opportunity as much as it is a a bit of a mm-hmm. a risky point at this time. So we're gonna end it on a bit of a light-hearted one, guys. Um, our friends at Cage Fighting Pod um, have asked, well, our friends used to um, <laughs> basically. Um, we've been discussing the perfect album, the album you can listen to without skipping a track. What are your perfect albums? Um, I mean, I'm I'm probably talking to the wrong crowd here with you guys, but Kendrick Lamar's Mad City is probably one that I would claim as that. I'm not familiar with that one. No. Give it a go. You will not <laughs> skip a track. I'll put it on the Apple list. Um, perfect album. I, I, know, I think I know which one this is. Um, funeral for a Friend. Casually deep. Uh, I was occasionally dressed and deep in conversation. That's from like, I expect 20 years old now, that album. But I just, that's one, I've got quite a few actually. I can just play through non stop. I think, um, is that because you're not really listening? Well. <laughs> 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 no, I can just, I just, yeah, I've got, I think, probably 100 reasons. And then, yeah, funeral for a friend. That's like, takes, takes you back to my like, like sixth form days, I think. But yeah, that dates me a little bit. But, yeah, that's mine. I mean, they must be having this conversation without me because I've I've no idea about this at all. Um, you know, the obvious answer is Aquarium by Aqua, obviously. Um, <laughs> and you're going to say something like <laughs> Banana Armor or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's Venga Boys. Venga Boys, yes, very good. Or now, what was the? What, it was no, the part the party album that was called the first one. Got them all over there. Oh, so there's like a more solemn version, is there? Yeah. There is loads of them, the Eiffel 65. I had them all. I've still got them all. Got Jesus, them. seriously? Yeah. Have you had Eiffel 65's album? Yeah. The only song I know is that I'm Blue song. It's, it's on there twice. <laughs> Just to fill a slot. That's yeah. like having two goalkeepers on the bench. Exactly. Maybe that was that's inspiration, Eiffel 65. <laughs> no, it's it's obviously What's the Story, Morning Glory. You know, I've listened to it more than any other album ever. So, simple. That's a fair shout. It's a fair shout. Um... Yeah, we'll uh, we'll leave it on that note, guys. Make sure you give all those albums a listen, especially Eiffel 65. Nobody said Spice World. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but thank you for listening in, guys. Obviously, this this marks the end of our post-match podcast, but we will be doing an end-of-season review. And um, thank you, as always, for listening throughout. It's It's been a difficult season, but we've managed to produce more podcasts than we've ever done before, I think, um, over this campaign, partly due to the fact that we have been at home and, and, and we're just pleased to be able to give this kind of content out to you guys for you to enjoy um endure and painfully listen to whatever it is you feel when you're when you're listening in but um we will continue to produce more content i'm sure there'll be a lot more fallout from um, the situation we left with nuno and the the way the club is going into the summer on um, quite an unknown kind of footing and um, make sure you look out on all of our social media channels twitter fancast uh, twitter instagram uh, Facebook, YouTube, make sure you subscribe and you can catch everything that we put out on those channels. So uh, for me, it's a good night and a thank you to Nuno once again and Stu. Yeah, I think we just, yeah, it's eternal, it's a eternal thanks of everyone's mind, really. And in the words of Andrea Bocelli, time to say goodbye. What I'll say is uh, Muito obrigado, Nuno. Ciao. Love it, love it, love it. You're going to have to go and see him off at his house and give him a full-blown Portuguese conversation now. <laughs> Cheers, guys, and uh, have a good night. <laughs>